everybody, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We are a podcast. You probably should know that because you came here when your podcast app or something or stumbled onto us on the internet. And we're a podcast all about classical stuff, old books, old art, old things. And we are three educators in Austin, Texas. We work at a, class, at a school called Veritas Academy. My name is AJ Hannenberg, and I am joined by Thomas Fletcher Magby. Hi. And Graham Grambles Donaldson. So why is it called a podcast? Like, mm, are we, I don't know. Are we casting a pod? Yes. Like, that's the joke I always make, but what is a pod? Is it like the little unit of sound that we've created? Podcast is a portmanteau, a combination of iPod and broadcast. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Some sources have also suggested the backronym. How do you like that? Portable on demand for, or pod oh. for similar reasons. P-O-D. I coming from, Remember oh. them? I do. Here comes the Every boom. day is a new day. I'm thankful for every breath I take. <laughs> mm, keep going. That was was that Here Comes the Boom? Ready or not? I don't know. Here, how do you like me now? Here comes the boom. Payable on death. Apparently, okay. podcasts also used to be called audio blogs. So if that makes you feel better about yourself, you can oh, call no. yourself an audio blogger. I don't like that <laughs> at all. Put that on a business <laughs> card. Gross. I feel gross even saying it. All right. Well, this has been a fun aside. <laughs> yep. uh, oh, today, I'm Graham. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> Graham. Great. This has been a, real, a fun little aside. And today we are talking about purgatory, specifically lust and avarice, avarice and gluttony. gluttony. All the fun ones. All, uh, the, all the biggies. The, the fun sins. There's which, some really... Which ones have been the fun ones? There's some pride's bummer. not a fun one. Pride, okay. Pride's not really a fun one. Uh, wrath. Yeah, not a fun like, one. Being angry, not so fun. Not but so hey, good. like gluttony, avarice, and lust. Thanksgiving the, is coming. <laughs> oh, so gluttony is coming up? Is that what you're saying? Those are the three fun ones. I hope it's Aggressive. gluttony. Um... <laughs> You hope Thanksgiving is coming? Is that no? I said uh, well, you said it was gluttony. I was like, I hope it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, if Thanksgiving is gluttony, then <laughs> hope it's not avarice. Christmas yeah, is avarice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ooh. Yeah, Aww. and then what's our last one? I don't Lust? Thanksgiving. Valentine's Day. Mm, okay, this has been unfortunate. Okay, there's, there's Saint, one for each. Poor Saint Valentine. <laughs> poor Saint Valentine. That's right. Uh, okay, so we are going to be continuing with uh, the purgatory. So we will get through the last three circles in purgatory. So that gets us to the top of the mountain. There are still, I think six Canto Canti, whatever for you Italian listeners after that. So we will finish up with those at some point. But then we forget all about it, right? Oh, that actually does happen. That's uh, they'll uh, pass through the river that Leth. Lethe, whatever the, uh, that happens later, but we're not going to get there today. Oh, okay. So we'll get through avarice, gluttony and lust today. Hopefully I always start out optimistic and then we'll see uh, how far we actually get through it. Okay. So where have we been so far? There was a bunch of stuff that happened at the beginning before they get to the mountain. Then there are some steps that are pretty cool that I did an episode on because why not? Uh, then there are three circles uh, at like the first three circles of purgatory. That's pride, envy and wrath. You'll remember what the punishments were for pride, envy, and wrath. So the, pri- the envy uh, to you were all tied together. You had to like sit on each other, right? Yeah. So you had to lean on each other. You're forgetting that. I mean, the best part. The best part is you know debatable. They have their eyes sewn shut. Mm. That's envy, and then they're also dressed in like sackcloth, mm-hmm. and they have to lean. But on. They- they have to lean on each other. When you're not strong, mm. yeah. <laughs> don't, for pride, your friend. Mm-hmm. don't you have to stare at the ground and read stories mm-hmm. of people who are awesome? Yeah, that you had a big old, big old rock on your back the whole time. Was that pride? Uh, wrath was the other one. Pride, envy, and then wrath. What happens to the wrathful? You remember <sighs> this was a lame one. They had to run. No, that's sloth. You have oh. to like send greeting cards to each other. Yep, that's it. They have to like feel better about it. No. Uh, the wrathful have like an annoying fog and they, it, oh, that's it's right. like kind of annoying. <laughs> that's right. And it's just <laughs> the like. The fog. Mildly annoying. It's, well, that's kind of the point, right? You have to like beat it and eventually be like, I'm totally chill with this fog. Yeah, I am and the then, fog. 
<laughs> wow, you become one with it. It's like the what was that movie? Was it The Happening that had the fog? No, it was a movie called The Fog. Remember that? I think the Mist. Make, I think nope. You're making this up. It was a horror movie where mist killed people. Sure it was. AJ um, is the faculty sponsor of the Bad Movie Club. If you can't tell from his selection <laughs> of uh, cultural references, this week we watched one on a horse that plays football. Okay, so you watched a good movie, is what MVP. you're trying to say? Did he? Did he Name win? Gus. Uh, he did win the good. Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, what? <laughs> It's incredible. Was he a running back? What did he kick? Quarterback? Kicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. It's <laughs> a, a donkey that kicked. Yeah. Oh, kicked a donkey big. or a horse? What is I think it? it's a donkey oh, okay. or a mule. It was one of the, it was an equine of some sort, and he kicked field goals. Speaking of equines, it was terrible. So we go from pride, envy, and wrath, and then sloth is the middlest of the seven because it's number four out of seven. That's where they have to run around and they like you know have encouraging messages. They yell to everyone, and we met a priest who was there. So Thomas, uh-huh. your that podcast inspired me. Oh, and to get running? I kill. I kid you not. When I came home from from recording that podcast i bought a pair of running shoes because i've been waiting to do it because my running shoes are falling apart and today i went for a jog i'm proud of you did it go well um are you glad you went on that run i got some wrath <laughs> <laughs> but less sloth so maybe it less all balances sloth. out in the end that's right and i also uh, have been reading uh jocko's book uh oh, what is it discipline, uh, discipline equals freedom. freedom yeah oh man it makes me feel bad about myself uh, if you follow, do you follow him on Instagram? Do you have an Instagram actually? Uh, no, I don't okay. have an Instagram. I do, but I don't, I don't have it on my phone, so I'm never on it anymore. He just basically posts pictures of like him waking up at four thirty yes. in the morning and it's working literally out. A, it's, it's a, it's a picture of his watch at four thirty or four thirty two or whatever every day, and then the workout he does, and it's. De- uh, what a like hard flex on all your followers. That's I know, one hundred percent right. Yeah. Like he's just hard flexing on everybody. He's yeah. like a blast furnace of a human. <laughs> Good expression. Okay, so that was the first four circles. We'll get through the last three uh, today. Hopefully, pride, envy, wrath, sloth is where we have been. We talked about this last time that uh, purgatory is split up. There's like an organization to the whole thing. That the first three levels are loves that have to be eliminated. So the love of self and mm-hmm. pride, um, the love of um, destruction of others, or the or the love of self gain and envy, and then the love of destruction with wrath. So those three need to be eliminated. Sloth is this bridge between the two levels, the two groupings, where love needs to be stirred up. That's why they're running around mm-hmm. to um, uh, enliven them to you know life. And then the top three are loves that need to be put in the right place. So they are love of things that are good in and of themselves but the love is excessive would be mm. the way to put that, that. And that's the avarice uh all three of them yeah avarice oh, okay. gluttony and lust all three are love of things that are good but they're they, they are loved too much there's actually an interesting example of that in lust which we'll you know again hopefully get to at the end of this uh my other important takeaway from the last episode is that my uh, my wife studied abroad in italy for six months she's an italian i think she has a minor in italian she says my italian reading is abysmal i believe that was the exact word that she used so if you remember i tried to read a thing in italian apparently it was horrible so uh, apologies to anyone i insulted by doing that reading i apologize to you okay so we pick up after the circle of the slothful slothful is that right Mm -hmm. so we see all these people running around they're encouraging each other and uh aj in dante's inferno whenever something like dramatic happens what's dante's response he generally passes out yeah so he he takes a nap in canto 19 that's his response yes so you know part of it is probably seeing all these people you know running around so much the other part i haven't talked about this much because it's a detail and there's a lot going on in these in this book is that you can't progress in purgatory at night uh, there are different descriptions of like why throughout, but essentially like the desire to move on just stops. And so you, wherever you are, you just sit down and just, go to bed. Just oh. wicked doc. I mean, yeah. So everyone has to take a nap. Do- doc and foggy. You're not going to make me go no steps. <laughs> I tell you, I have right now. Is that, can you actually just, can that be our Dante for the rest of this time? That's pretty good. So <laughs> that's, that's Dante is just a, 
What is that? A Bostonian accent? I thought Boston. Is that yeah. what you're going for right there? I was. Yeah. Okay. You're not impressed. Well, I'm just saying it's dark out now and we're still podcasting. Yeah. So. Tell me about it. So YouTube, tell us to go home. <laughs> um, so he can't progress at night, which has been true this entire time. So he sits down and takes a nap. He has a dream. And in this dream, uh, he is approached by the siren or a, she's, she describes herself as the siren, but you know, a siren, it's like a, it's a category. Dante's what, like, what up girl? You're looking real attractive over there. Actually kind of, oh um, what is <laughs> a siren? What is the siren? They, they are half woman, half bird. They have bird bodies, the heads of women, they sing on an Island and they attract all the sailors and then the sailors swim over and then they eat you. I think they eat you. Either that or you just starve. I think they eat you. This is a bummer. And then you want to listen to their song. There's yes, they attract people. Uh, people want to listen to them. Um, uh, is there anything? I'll just I'll just keep I going. I was singing earlier. <laughs> Are you the siren? <laughs> we just can't stop listening to your sound. Uh, please don't eat us. Um, so this might strike you as strange that in purgatory Dante is having a vision of a siren. Yeah, uh, that does strike me. That strange. is a thing that is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really explained as to well. They explain the meaning of the siren in a second. We'll get to, but not like why it's happening here. Uh, there's something here of, uh, there are, I guess, three different dreams that Dante has throughout his time. Uh, the first one we covered a long time ago in one of my droning episodes over quarantine, which I guess we're technically still in a quarantine of some kind, uh, was about, um, Dante having a vision of an Eagle. This happens in Canto nine. Um, uh, Dante goes to sleep in the dream. He's in a field. He's just kind of walking around and he sees this Eagle in the distance. He's like, huh. It's like a cool looking eagle. He's like, look in. It's like, oh, that eagle's getting kind of close to me. And then he gets picked up by, you know, the, the, the eagle strikes him and like uh, grabs him with the talons, picks him up. And it's this. Uh, it's like, oh, you're not Frodo. Puts him down. <laughs> oh, is that how that? Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's true. Uh, after it wheeled a moment in the air, terrible as a thunderbolt, it fell and swept me upward to the rings of fire. I and the eagle seemed to burn a flame. So searing were the blazes in my mind. My sleep had to be broken. So he, in this dream, is picked up by an eagle. So there are some connections here. You said this. The siren is part bird. So this is kind of a two different um, birds that we see. Um, did you? I think you all might have said this. What do the sirens look like? Bird ladies. Yeah, but are they... Heads of women, uh-huh. bodies of birds. But they're usually viewed as like appealing creatures, right? Uh well, and this, is, this is the weird thing. In the, in the classics, uh-huh. they're not. They're not attractive. Uh, it's only later that they are imbued with physical characteristics uh-huh. of beauty. Back in the old days, like Homer, they're not beautiful creatures. It's only their song that's attractive. But they are, but they're still attract attractive, maybe. The song the yeah. song is almost irresistible. Sure. Men go mad and want to follow it. Yeah. So in this one, uh Dante must have now attributed um the physical characteristics of attractiveness to the um to the siren as well. So he's looking at the siren, the siren's looking cute. Um suddenly he hears um, the voice of a blessed lady who's probably St. Lucy, who if you want to, Lucia, if you want to hear more about her, go listen to my old episodes. This is like the fifth episode I've done on Purgatory. Isn't that crazy? We'll come to a... I feel lesson. like we've been here forever. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. There's a guy who's uh, been in Purgatory for 500 years who we're about to meet and y'all probably feel just like him. So it's okay, we'll get past it. I'm eventually. just um, I love Dante. So uh, the, uh, Dante hears the voice of a woman um, who is uh, uh, really upset that the siren is here, which all of us should be. Yeah. How'd the siren get there? It's in his dream. So she's not actually there, mm. but all this dream and what's actually happening is kind of mixed up in a second. Um, St. Lucy, St. Lucia, Santa Lucia calls on Virgil to take care of the siren. And then this is what, um, Virgil does. It's kind of a weird description. I don't think it's inappropriate, but I don't know. You might want to skip 30 seconds. Um, 
listen to it and find out if you wish you had skipped 30 seconds. <laughs> um, he seized and ripped the curtains off that winch and showed me her whole paunch and all below, which woke me with the putrefying stench. I moved my eyes and the good teacher said at least three times I've called arise and walk. Let's find the passageway and move ahead. So attractive song. Uh, Dante is like walking toward her. Virgil shows up, um, cuts off her clothes and shows that she's like actually ugly whole paunch. And then she smells bad. She has a putrefying stench. That is the thing that happens. Any guesses as to why that happens? I mean, birds are kind of gross. Are we talking, if this is <laughs> why in the circle he... of, is this in the circle of sloth? No, we have passed that. We are getting close to avarice. We're between sloth and avarice right now. Sometimes it's called sloth. Have we talked about that? Well, um, because you can be drawn to something and then, have like, it, and then have it not be the thing you wanted or have it be actually yes. a, a disgusting thing. Thank you. Uh, Virgil will later say, you saw, he said that sorceress of old, she who's repented in these upper rings. You saw how men must bolt out of her fold. So she is, uh, es- uh, Dr. Esselin, if this is your first time tuning in, the two really helpful resources are the translation by Dr. Anthony oh, I Esselin. I thought you were talking to Dr. Esselin. Dr. Esselin. Oh, I'd be hey, like, hey, Dr. Esselin, if this is your first time tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I love your book. Uh, I love Dante's book. Um, so the, uh, Dr. Esselin's translation of Dante is great, as is A Beginner's Guide to Dante's Divine Comedy by Jason, I think Dr. Jason Baxter. So both are great resources. Anyway, Dr. Esselin will point to this as the siren as a sign of material good, which appears pleasing to the eye, but, is actually, has, but actually has like an evil, disgusting side underneath. So that's why the siren shows up here. We keep on moving. Uh, I already compared to you. There's a vision of an eagle earlier. So um, there are two different bird images here. Um, one that one used by God to show how Dante is being drawn up in this um, fiery passion. One used here to show the limits of material good, um, material desires. We then enter into the circle of the the circle of avarice. Avaricious? Can I say that? Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like a real thing. Um. I'll just read this here. Well, actually, let's start with our definitions. When when I say avarice, what comes to mind? Greed. Right. But maybe there must be some sort of thing that's more distinctive than just greed. You know, wanting stuff. What is Yeah, wanting stuff. Yep. Yeah. Coveting. Yeah. yeah. Covetousness. Wanting stuff. This is great. So, again, in Aquinas' definition, this is what is meant by covetousness, which is defined as immoderate love of possessing. Immoderate love of possessing. Uh, typically will be related to money, but doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, right here, you see my Lamborghini, but beha- beside me, you'll see this, what I prize even more, my bookshelves. Book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> remember that guy. It's, it's like a whole genre, though. It's not just that one guy. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh. Um, that is embarrassing. Did he rent the Lamborghini? I thought that was like Aww. one of the Did he really rent yeah, it? I thought that was one of the controversial parts of that video. Oh, he doesn't so say cool. that in the video. Oh, but, clear. Um, but how am I supposed to do my like multi-level marketing scam? Amazon yeah. scam? Uh, Dropshipping is not a scam. I'll have oh, you know. Sorry. My four-part video series for $999. <laughs> show you everything. Okay. Um, when, so if the sin is uh, avarice, covetousness, greed, so immoderate love of possessing, what would be a punishment that would correct for that? Well, um, would correct for an immoderate desire for stuff for for avarice. Yeah, um, like you got to give stuff away. Oh, I like that. So you got huh. this like big bag of stuff, and you got to give it to everybody. Generosity. So you got to be Santa. Santa. They'll turn you Santa, be Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Yeah, I would love that. Um, either that or like I don't know. You get you have to carry like a giant bag of heavy crap everywhere, <laughs> just to realize how yeah all this stuff. Or you got to like you got to purge your like retired parent parents house. You have to like wow. go through and just like, Oh <laughs> yeah. And get rid of like, 
Like a hoarder? It's like, oh, we got this in Cancun in 96. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, but you can still love possessing. I wonder if it's just to, to share or live on little. little I don't know. Yeah, I like that. Um, y'all are pretty spot on with it. All these are... Part of what's weird is that, you know, they're not bodies at this point. They're just souls. They're shades is what they call them over and over again. Um, so they don't, they don't bring anything with them. Um, but there are different... It appears like physical things happening to them in each circle. So here... This is Canto 19, line 70, again, for none of you following along at home. And when I reached uh, clear space in that fifth round, I saw great crowds lamenting everywhere, all lying with their faces to the ground. My soul cleaves to the dust, I heard them praying, uttered with sighs so deep that it was hard to hear and understand what they were saying. And he goes on from there. So they're face down on the ground, looking at the dirt, and that's what they do. They also cry out and pray during this time. So there's also repentance, but they're focused on the dust. Again, the the things that they desired in life ultimately are dust. Mm. They put too much value into whatever, again, money is the clear example, the accumulation of wealth or property or whatever. And instead of, um, yeah, they are learning that what they had cared about is only dust. Um, and that's what they have to reflect on for their time in the circle. Um, what, uh, Dante will meet a Pope, Pope Adrian, the fifth. Is he one of y'all's favorite? No, Don't know. Okay, good. Oh, I love Adrian. Adrian yeah. Fourth, not so good. Fifth, Fifth really great. just best in the series. Yeah. Um, we'll talk with Dante about what's <laughs> happening in the series. I like that. Um, we'll talk about uh, what is happening in the circle. What avarice does is manifested here by the purgation of the souls turned round. No pain upon the hill is more severe. For as our eyes were never raised on high, but fixed themselves upon the things of earth, here justice humbles them to touch the ground. Oh, so you were looking at the, all the things of earth, and now you have to like literally just look, look like way, way closer yes, yes. <laughs> and, and reflect on this is what you desired in life oh you like the earth so much i want you to close watch you marry it <laughs> i mean all i'm thinking about is how the fourth in the series would be called a new pope <laughs> oh well done proud of you that's i think we can just end the podcast right there this uh we've had a good 160 episode run but that's that's it we did it we found the perfect joke um, Sorry, Thomas. No, you're doing great. That's how all of my episodes go. <laughs> should I stop it? Should I stop? No, yeah, I think you should just. No, no, yeah, no we should definitely keep going. <laughs> no, we should just never have any more episodes. Um, as avarice quenched the love we should have borne for all good things and made us lose our labor, so justice holds us here within its clinch. So, um, that is Pope Adrian talking about the circle of the avaricious. I'm not going to say much more about it. I actually didn't think we'd spend much time here, but here we are, 20 minutes in. Hope you're having fun. Okay. We'll move on to Canto 20. How do they get out of it? Repenting. So this, uh, they just need to realize that... We'll actually have a pretty clear description in just a second. Mm, okay. You had asked last time about a soul moving between levels. Yeah. We actually see that this oh, time. Okay. In, uh, I think it's the next Canto. Um, I won't say... Actually, no, I lied to you. We're going to talk about this one. Um, okay, so before the episode, Graham, I mentioned that we meet a fellow named Hugh Capet. Capet. Hugh Capet. Hugh Capet. Uh, Hugh Capet. Uh, what do you know about this fellow? Uh, the first French king. Okay. Is that, I think he's the first French king. Um, and the head of one of the main French houses, I can never remember which one it is. Is it the house of Capet? Might be. House of Valois? I can't remember. Let me, I'll read this. And again, we'll, you know, we'll take him in his own words. So in the circle of the avaricious Dante meets, meets Hugh Capet. Here is his, I, I feel like it's like a prank name every time I see it, right? Mm -hmm. Like huge, huge caput. I don't know what a caput is though. That's where, anyway. Okay. So he wears a big hat, big hat, big head, right? And that's what I kept wondering if that was huge caput. Um, okay. Uh, his description of himself. Oh, who is he? 
Hugh Capet was my name and every last Philip and Louis who has governed France from my day until now has sprung from me. So the father of all or cool. ancestor of all French Kings. Uh, but he has more to say than just that. I was the chief root of that evil tree that spread such gloom over all Christendom. The good fruits, the good fruits are rare for plucking, but if Lil or Gint are, were available or he, he keeps going on uh, talking about other names, uh, Dante very clearly does not have nice things to say about uh, French noble people. This entire canto it's is like Charles the fourth tried to kill him uh, and ultimately led to his exile. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, from um, where's he from? Um, Florence from Florence. So that's part of him though. I hadn't intended to say this, that as backstory makes it almost more powerful. That he's put him in purgatory and not hell, mm, right? Yeah. That he could see him as this like progenitor of all evil in the world, all this political strife, but instead sees him for the faith that he has. And, you know, he didn't have any personal beef with like the great grandfather or whatever of his political enemy. Um, but yeah, he is the father of the person who uh, gets him kicked out of Florence house of Capet. Yeah. Capet, is, okay. is it? Yeah. That was Valois. I don't know. Take it up with Dante. Um, okay, so uh, Hugh, Mr. Capet, uh, Monsieur Capet, has uh, an interesting part in here that I want to offer to you all. So we've talked in different circles about how they are, so like the prideful, AJ, you said this, they have this giant rock on their back, they're staring at the ground in front of them, they're looking at these stories of humility, and that is their, it's both their punishment, but also their education. So we learn more about what's happening in each circle from Hugh, the man himself. I will read this and we'll go from there. Those words I spoke referring to that soul spouse of the Holy spirit, which made you turn my way to gain a gloss upon the text. Okay. So they talk to him because he's like wailing his repentance. He's like loud enough that Dante and Virgil are like, what's up with this guy? So, you know, the words that I was talking about when you heard me yelling, that is the antiphon for all our prayers. As long as the day lasts, at fall of night, we sound the opposite in its place, for then we tell the story of Pygmalion, turned traitor to nation, kinslayer and thief, by his all-gluttonous will to heap up gold. And of the greedy Midas come to grief, after he made that wish to gorge his fill, misery ever fit to make men laugh. Then we recall Achan, presumptuous fool who robbed the spoils, told in so loud a voice it seems the wrath of Joshua bites him still. Sapphira and her husband we accuse, then praise the hooves that, cooked at, that, that kicked at Heliodorus, and round the hill in infamy there goes. Polymnestor, who cut down Polydorus, then we cry in conclusion, now you know, so tell us, Crassus, what's the taste of gold? Do I keep going from here? Yes. Um, Sometimes one speaks up loud, the other low, uh, according as desire may spur us on, to sing our chants with greater strides or no. So So when you heard me, I was not alone speaking of virtue in the day, but near us no voice was raised so high by anyone. Hmm. What is he talking about here? They tell positive examples during the day, mm-hmm. and then at night, they tell the opposite. They tell um, warning stories against, in this case, avarice. Um, but the, when I read this, there seems more going on than just reading those stories. Um, I'll maybe say again from here. Um, uh, Sapphira and her husband we accuse, then praise the hooves that kicked at Heliodorus and round the hill in infamy there goes. Polymnestor who cut down Polydorus, then we cry in conclusion, now you know, so tell us, Crassus, what's the taste of gold? And it goes on from there. They're doing something interesting here where they're putting themselves in the story, mm-hmm. right? It's more than just they've heard the story of Sapphira and her husband holding on to money, not giving it up, and then, you know, they die for it. It's they are accusing Sapphira and her husband. They've put themselves into the story. 
Um, same with... Um, so are they having to feel the, the effects of what the other people's avarice um, sort of engendered? Like they're, they're having to be the poor or the, they're having to be the, 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 the taken from? I don't think they're necessarily the ones hurt by okay. these decisions. So again, they're saying that they are, can, they are accusing Safira and her husband. Mm-hmm. They are looking on as um, Crassus is the one who, is he beheaded and then has gold poured down? Mm-hmm. Or he has gold he, poured down He his died throat? and then they poured, I just looked it up, they yep. poured a bunch of gold down his, yep. his gullet. That's you why know, it says, what is the taste of gold? You know how sometimes, such a good line. like you get those, ham- those you see uh, those fancy restaurants, those like hamburgers covered with like little gold foil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make a Crassus burger. Think about, oh, Crassus oh, burger. That's what oh, I call yeah. it. That's awesome. That's, is it? Okay, so... But, <laughs> Classical stuff food truck. <laughs> that sounds depressing. Oh, Crassus burgers. What else we got in there? Uh, nothing. Um, the taste of dust. Uh, the avarice dust. <laughs> so uh, maybe I find this more interesting maybe than you all, that it's not just a retelling of stories. They are feeling these stories in a way that makes it their own story. It's not merely, mm. hey, it's bad that Sphere and her husband did this. It's we are enraged that you are keeping this money for yourself. It's not just that um, uh, Crassus had too much a love of gold. It's that they are condemning him for that love of gold. So they're having to, they're putting themselves in the other, they're, they're having to in be that story. Em, yeah, empathetic or whatever. Yes. They're putting themselves into the feeling what the others, others felt. Yes. Which I find it's not enough to just know these stories. It's, they are actually emotionally engaged in these stories. It's not just, yeah, there's this old story that happened. It's They're living I've, it out. Yes, they are living it out every night is the way they mm. describe it. They go through all of these stories every night. And I think that then becomes, uh, I'll connect that in just a second. I'll just, sorry. That will connect then with what prepares a person to move from one circle to the other. It's not just, at some point long ago, we talked about um, like the fables. Um, who's the guy with the animal fables? Um, Aesop. Aesop's fables. And we had this back and forth of, is it enough, like, you know the lessons from Aesop's fables, but you don't live the lessons from mm, Aesop's fables. Mm-hmm. You know not to be swayed by flattery, but still we're swayed by flattery. In Purgatory, it's not enough to know avarice is bad, as everyone would say, avarice is bad. It's you have to actually have your mind changed and hate greed, hate avarice. So that's, I think, what Hugh is pointing to with this section right here. I found this super interesting, but I will... I will move on from there. I was thinking about this. So at church this Sunday, they were preaching from Galatians where they talked about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then the line was, and without these, with the, no, what is it? I thought against these things are no. Against these things, there is no law. Right. And um, that sort of hit me as like, um, this may be a longer thought we don't need to get into, but it was just the idea that there's, there's law and then there's, want and then there's wanting to do the right thing so you put rules in place because you want them to love the good eventually but once you love the thing you don't really need the rules anymore can you hold on to that thought for like 35 minutes because you have preempted literally everything that i'm going to say because you're a smart guy um that's a great it's a great thought back to making bad puns and no you should do what you just did and just keep doing that talking about food trailers um do it in your own episodes so uh (laughs) that's actually everything you just said is where we will end up so you know, listener, hold on to that thought or forget about it so that I can say it and sound profound. Um, okay. So this all happens. And so he talks about having to feel these stories. And then like literally immediately after that, uh, you know, 
<laughs> the conversation ends and Dante just keeps walking. There's no like goodbye or anything. It's just always very funny. So Dante and Virgil keep walking. Uh, and as they are walking, uh, um, we had departed from that shade by now and set ourselves to overcome the road as far as the throng passage would allow. When I felt the hill tremble like a thing ready to topple over. Hmm. So Mount Purgatory is trembling like a thing ready to topple over. And oh. I was taken by chills that sees a man led off to die. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Virgil like grabs him and like... <laughs> gives him a hug to reassure him it's very funny man virgil he's a good guy he's great he's a good guy they maybe i'm sure they've been doing this the entire time and i'm just finally picking up on it there's this father-son language that's used a lot between virgil and dante that really starts to be emphasized over and over dante calls him father first and and there's a scene later where virgil will call him son to motivate an action from him and it's just a very um it's sweet this connection they've developed over the course of you know inferno and now most of purgatory okay so there's an earthquake and we don't know why but it happens. That is the end of Canto 21. We found out later, though, right? Do we? In Canto 21. Uh, oh. Yeah, in Canto 21. So, Ooh. sorry, we just wrapped up Canto 20. In Canto 21, they're walking along, and uh, a ghost, a shade, ghost, maybe, I don't know, whatever, a shade um, walks up behind them and just kind of starts a conversation with them. And <laughs> As ghosts and shades are wont to do. As they're wont to do. And uh, just because the shade knows more about purgatory than Dante does, Dante asks him... Um, if you know, uh, but tell, if you know why the mountain recently shivered so hard and why they seemed to cry down to its sandy base beside the sea. Like it was a terrifying um, shake that just happened. Your luck. I'm a geologist. <laughs> I'll have you know. Stuck in purgatory. He's actually a poet, which maybe mm. makes him, I don't know, less useful. Uh, but still a wonderful person. Sorry, all of our poets out there. So you can still dig for nuggets as a poet. Right? Can you, I guess you can do whatever you want to, right? As anyone can do that. Uh, is he like one of those prospect? No, uh, what are they called when you take the you go to the beach and you forty nine? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Great, prospector. Prospector, thank you. Is that so? What you would call them if you have the metal detector? Prospector for gold. <laughs> thank you. Good. I guess it is still yeah. what you're looking for. Man, you you find like keys and bottle caps and mm-hmm. not gold until you find gold bars. <laughs> gold in them are hills. Okay, so Dante asks why there was an earthquake, which seems like a really reasonable question. Uh, this shade who i don't think we've learned the name of yet but we will later uh set, starts with this thing about how purgatory never changes there's no weather in purgatory um there's no movement of the clouds um there's no um there's a scene earlier where dante plucks i want to say it's like a piece of grass or maybe a leaf but as soon as he does another one immediately grows back um th- yeah exactly there's there's like the tree was supposed to look a certain way Dante messed it up. It gets fixed immediately. There's and that's no, why the sheep are the happiest sheep you've ever <laughs> seen. They, <laughs> can eat, eat, they can eat so much grass <laughs> yeah. and it's all it's just rolling right back like, there. Oh, we get more. So that is mentioned. Purgatory never changes um, except <laughs> when it trembles. Grass futures plummeted, though. <laughs> that's really unfortunate. <laughs> Isn't the market in Purgatory? I don't... Are they the bull market is great. <laughs> it's a bull market. I like that. Um, okay, so... But it does tremble. That is literally the line. Uh, 58... But it does tremble when a spirit feels so cleansed that he may rise or climb the hill. Oh, and the quake cool. is accompanied by a shout. I didn't mention this. Mm. I guess I should actually go back. So it's not just the terrifying earthquake. There's all about Dante, uh, the cry of glory to God in the highest. And he, it's as if it's being shouted from every direction, everywhere, and it terrifies him. So, um, yeah, when a spirit feels so cleansed that he may rise or climb the hill and the quake is accompanied by a shout, our purging's proof rests solely in the will, which, free to change its place and company, takes the soul by surprise and brings delight to will the change. Before this, certainly we will, but our desires will not allow, wishing that justice deal us punishment as once we wished to sin. So um, the shades are choosing when they move on to the next level. Hmm. They, 
choosing is the wrong word. It's all complicated. They know the right time to move on to the next level. And it's when their will and their desire are unified uh, to, to uh, unified together in hatred of whatever the sin is at the level that they're at. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So it's, again, it's not enough to just recount. It's not like you passed the final exam. But it's even, you did pass an exam, but you didn't just know, here are the 12 stories in the circle of the prideful. You hate pride. Hmm. You have rejected pride and are hmm. now ready to move on to the next circle. How much time are these fellows spending in all these circles? Does it talk about that? Because I feel like, I mean, I feel like you might get it pretty quick with a rock on my shoulders and a whole bunch of stories about humility. Give me a couple of days. I'll, I'll kick that pride habit. Yeah, uh, I'll read. I'll keep reading. Um, before Hugh certain- Capet has been there 500 years. Uh, and th- actually it's this guy who's been here 500 mm. years. I only now, this is the shade talking. I only now felt my will free to find a better place. I who have lain 500 years and more here in this sorrow. That was why you felt the tremor of the earth and heard the souls all around the mountain, giving praise to God and may he call them soon. He, this shade is the reason for the earthquake. Mm. Um, he had just passed from the circle of um, avarice to he's going to, he's actually just going to walk through the circle of gluttony, which is kind of cool. Um, oh, so he's got that one licked, huh? Yes, he does. So he doesn't have to spend any time there. He'll actually walk with uh, Dante the, uh, for the rest of the purgatory. See you later, you jabronis. He's <laughs> right. fed up with gluttony. Um, so that is why there was an earthquake a second ago. That is what happens when people move between the different circles. They that The, the mountain responds gotcha. um, to a soul being... Um, it shakes and sings and... Yes. The, yeah, the people shout, the mountain shakes, the person walks on to the next circle as cool. almost like an affirmation that they're ready for it. Um, this person we re- find out later is Statius, S-T-A-T-I-U-S. Statius. Do y'all know anything about the poet Statius? Nope. Oh, you're going to, you're going to blow my mind if you do. Uh, I, d- nope. Cool. Coming up empty. Statius, the people call me to this day. I sang of Thebes and of the great Achilles, but with the second burden fell midway. He started a book about Achilles and then died. The brilliant seed that set my love afire flashed from the divine flame that kindled me and lit the lamps of many a thousand more of the Aeneid. I mean, for all I am of poet, it was my mama and my nurse without it. All my work weighs not a dram. He's a poet. He um, wrote, um, again, this, this thing about uh, Achilles that he didn't actually finish. And the one about Thebes is the, um, oh, I have it pulled up, but it's, uh, um, he wrote an epic poem about Thebes is the point right there. It's like 12 volumes. Uh, uh, apparently it had something of a resurgence when Dante was writing, but isn't mm. actually that good, uh, again, according to Dr. So he wrote fan fiction. Uh, as do like all he- classical <laughs> authors, right? What is what is Paradise Lost, if not fan fiction? Iliad fan fiction. Yes. Um I'll say again, he is praising the Aeneid as like the thing that sparked in him the desire to write. Mm. Is that an, why is that an interesting reference? Because Virgil wrote it. Yeah. And, and, and where is Virgil right He's now? He's standing right there. Yeah. So, so this guy starts praising the Aeneid written by Virgil. Virgil is Dante's guide through Inferno Pur- and Purgatory. And so. <laughs> is Virgil like, stop, <laughs> well, stop it. It's actually, it's actually a really funny scene. So, uh, so this guy's like, j- he just says this. He's not like prompted. He doesn't recognize Virgil because right. they're shades. You can't really, yeah. Is this a thing in the Inferno? You can't really like recognize uh, you kind of, I don't know. They look to each other like shades. They don't recognize each other. other. I guess he wouldn't know what Virgil looked like anyway. Um, and so Dante has this moment of like, eh, and kind of like looks to Virgil and gives him kind of an eye. And Virgil says, please be still <laughs> turning a silent glance my way, <laughs> but man cannot do everything by power of will. <laughs> and so Dante ends up, uh, 
he kind of like gives a wink to uh, uh, Statius, and Statius is like, um, "Seriously, now be so good to tell me why? Uh, may all y- your labor come to a good end. You showed me that little twinkle in the eye." <laughs> and so Dante then reveals that Virgil is the guy standing right here with Statius, and he immediately like drops on his knees, says that he would spend um, more years in purgatory if he could only have more time. Ooh, that's not good. Oh, you think so? You're gonna get knocked down a peg, my friend. Bet oh. you're, you're going down to. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully not limbo, right? No, what's it when you, like, place your love for someone else above the love of God? Maybe this is like... Well, lust, but I don't think I don't this really applies. It's not yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, it's not pride and be... Maybe pride. I don't know. If you, Yeah, idolatry. But it's a, it's a respect right. of the... Um, I guess. It's a respect of Virgil. Yeah. I, again, you, don't, you don't want to say, I'd, I'd spend more years in purgatory just to chill with you. That's a... I mean, I, don't I guess know. it means you haven't learned your lesson yet. It would make a great Death Cab song. <laughs> it would. I'll follow you into the dark. Oh, Isn't that oh, literally the, song the whole point of that song? Drives me bonkers. Um, you love that song. I don't oh. know what you're talking about. Okay, so um, <laughs> Heaven and Hell can't decide that they're both satisfied. Is that the is that the lyric in the song? Yes. Sorry, I don't know it as well as you do. Um, why don't you have any emotions? There's always why vacancy you know? in heaven. Okay. Uh, is that what it, does it say? There's a no vacancy. Yeah, sign? yeah, oh. yeah. Illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. Okay. We should spend when there's no one inside besides you when your soul embarks, I'll follow you into the dark. Yeah. Why do you all know this? Okay. So, uh, because we have hearts, Magby. You do, but you also reject it, so you have no heart. So Virgil, we have two ears and a heart. That's how we know it. <laughs> two, oh, I thought you were gonna say two hearts and an ear. I got nervous for a second. Um. So, um, Virgil. So now Statius knows that Virgil is the other shade. He starts fanboying about Virgil, <laughs> and it's just very sweet. So they get to the next scene. A thing I didn't mention about this guy, Statius, is that he was a first century Roman poet. Mm. Uh, there's no record that he was a Christian. Mm. There's no historical record of that. Uh, and so Dante has to do some work to say why he's here in purgatory, why he's like pretty high up in purgatory. Um, and so the question is posed to him of why he's here. There are two parts to this. First, it's why is why is Statius like a moral virtuous person? And he says that. Virgil is the reason for that. Mm. Um, that Virgil has a line. Uh, Why do you holy hunger after gold, not guide the appetites of mortal men? Um, and there's this whole, anyway, there's like, apparently there is a level of love of wealth that is acceptable. That is not excessive, I guess is the way to say there, there are, are good physical things to desire after Virgil points to that. And that was something that, um, compelled Statius to repent, um, of his avarice. He even references that, um, if not for this line, I'd be a jouster where the rocks are rolled. So he's actually referencing the Inferno. So apparently knows the punishment. Um, is that for the average, the the greedy? It's for the hoarders and spendthrifts. Yeah. A jouster where the rock, so they roll rocks into each other and then holler, why why spend, why hoard? Yeah. Yep. And so he, he recognizes that he would have been sent there if not for his repentance of um, greed. Hmm. And then the question is posed, by Virgil, what candle then, what sun scattered the darkness that you might turn sail following the fishermen, following God? Statius's reply, this is to Virgil. You were the one, said he, who first invited me to sip of the springs in the grottoes on Parnassus, and then you lighted me the way to God. You did as one upon the road at night who holds a torch that those behind may see, though he himself's unaided by the light. It's a really tragic image. Saying, from he- this is a, he's quoting Virgil here. This is Statius's line that brought him to be brought him to faith from heavens from heaven descends a newborn sun. Mm. The morning of humanity returns and a new age of justice has begun. The ecologues. Uh, yes. A poet you made me and a Christian too. And he goes on from there. 
Yeah, that's a really weird piece in mm. in Virgil history is that he has this poem called the Eclogues where he's essentially writing about Augustus. Yes. But the but way but when you read it, you're like, this is about Jesus. Yeah. But Virgil predates Jesus. Yes. Yeah. So, huh. um, and it's so it's very bizarre. So I mean. Uh, c- classical Christian scholars have said, well, Virgil just like knew it or he, they he preempted it or like the fact that the, that the Messiah's coming was so strong that like it even radiated into the poetic mind of Virgil yep. in the past, whatever. Um, but uh, it, yeah, the Ecologues is a really, when you read it, it's spooky just in how, um, well, Christian it sounds. Yes. This, I, I, I don't know much about the eclogues other than what's quoted here. Apparently, this is from the fourth one. So there mm-hmm. apparently are multiple. I don't know if I there are four. I think there's seven. Things. I don't know. Okay. Um, the, the, this line can be translated different ways. Here's another translation, again, from Dr. Esselin. The great line of the centuries is born again. Now the virgin of justice returns, and the golden reign of Saturn, now a newborn child, is sent down from the heavens on high. Yeah, That's another from a virgin. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, bonk- it's craziness. Yeah. So, um, so, but... Uh, I don't know how you're saying there's kind of a longer tradition of interpreting this. Dante's read is to say Virgil didn't benefit from this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, Virgil was not saved by this knowledge of a future son that would come to bring justice or whatever. Again, the image is, um, is it a fisherman? I just lost it. Um, one on the road at night who, who holds a torch that those behind may see. He's holding a torch behind him, mm-hmm. though he himself's unaided by the light. So he, 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 he leaves this gift that Statius inherits, I guess you'd say. But um, Virgil doesn't benefit from. He's stuck in um, limbo. Isn't that, yeah. I think the, the argument for it is that there's a common grace that God also gives where the poets and, uh, um, and some of the classical authors have a knowledge of what God will do in Christ without really being able to put a fine point on it. Yeah. So the Jews in their... Uh, in, in their testament, the Jews in their scriptures have hints of that, yep. and so too do the pagans. Yep. Uh, and then when Christ comes, Athens and Jerusalem kind of um, right? commingle. Yes. Hmm. Um, so, um, or you can say that Christianity just stole all that stuff. Yeah, sure, uh, or you know, fulfilled it, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I guess this is part. Of, this lines up with what you're saying. Statius is born in the first century he's born after christ it is possible that he would have heard of christ could mm-hmm. have repented could have become a christian but for sure he wasn't like publicly a christian right like this is not a thing that's recorded about him so do you want to he's been here for 500 years do you want to guess where he's been for those 500 years gluttony is he, is he a hungry dude oh, he, uh, he, again thanks to Virgil he made it through that because he didn't look like a Christian during his life he had to go to the circle of the slothful he's been there for 400 years oh having to run and laps yes because he had to he was able to live his life looking uh, fitting into culture just fine right there was no like passion in him that um, burst forth or whatever so he had been there for 400 years all the um, all the stuff before that took 100 years apparently and then that's why um, he's in the circle he is right now so there you go Okay, so, I, yeah, I'm sure there's more to be said here, but just... It's th- just that, like, yeah, that this guy has a, not a saving faith, but he has a knowledge of God from Virgil, who himself did not have a knowledge, or knowledge of Christ from Virgil, who himself did not have a knowledge of Christ. Virgil, but you're saying that he could have also have heard the story of Christ because he lived in the first century. He could have connected what He Virgil could have connected with, what Virgil said, yes. yeah, yeah. So yeah. he would have been... Again, being after Christ, he could have heard Virgil prophesying this, 
and then heard the connection to the actual That's word. right. It's not like it's Cato up there. No, I mean, that, yeah, that answers my question. I was going to say, why not put Socrates and Plato there? Because they talk about the yeah, divinity yeah. of... Right like the gods and how they should right. work and that it can't be these crazy gluttonous right. things that are, that are talked about. Sure. And so I was wondering why not those guys? Well, it's time. I think it is time. they have to be post Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is a part of it, which is a bummer. Just isn't a there, bummer for Virgil. Yes. Isn't there a pagan emperor in, uh, in, in purgatory who like gave a dude a, cl- a, a jacket? I think he's in Paradiso. Oh, okay. Wow, um, man. I think that's right. Um, but again, we're not, we're definitely not there. Sorry. No, it's fine. Okay. So, uh, he was stuck in the circle of the slothful for a long time because he, again, looked like a pagan and was not like bold in his faith or anything like that during his lifetime. Okay. Um, I will breeze through these next few sections and then we'll wrap up with a, just a beautiful part from Virgil. We get to the circle, uh, for gluttony. Oh, I, I do this every time and then immediately forget. So for the circle of, um, the avaricious for the, for the covetous, so if, covet, if covetousness is not a phrase you're used to, here are the children of covetousness, things that you might look for in your own life that are tied hmm. with the capital sin of um, greed. Hmm. Treachery, fraud, falsehood, perjury, restlessness, violence, and insensibility to mercy. Treachery, fraud, falsehood, perjury, restlessness, violence, and insensibility to mercy. Nope. I'm yeah, good. as long as you're good with all those, then you're good to go. Awesome. Um, yeah, I don't do a lot of fraud. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, you know this is being recorded, right? I feel like. Okay. Yeah. A light fraud. <laughs> only, only some like, light not, fraud. I like the crazy stuff. Did I tell you guys about the guy who admitted insurance fraud to me on the airplane? Oh, that's. Did you have a recorder with you at the time? I didn't. Oh, that's unfortunate. Lucky I wasn't a fraud investigator. Yep, FBI no, guy. Yeah. yeah a anyway. policeman. Isn't okay. So we move so on. Fraudy and slip on the airplane. <sighs> Thank you. That was really good. Okay, we Hey-o. move on to the circle of the gluttonous. Nope, we're not. Nope, not staying there. Um, so the circle of, of gluttony. What is gluttony? It gluttony is, is enjoying too many worldly comforts. Being yeah. enamored of food, typically, is the understanding. Oh. Having so much food, you deny it to others. Yeah. Uh, yeah, inordinate desire, uh, and it can be for all kinds of things. Food is the one we typically think of, but it can also be um, kind of any um, sensual experience, right? right? Um, food, drink, we'll have um, Dante's old drinking buddy shows up at this point. When you don't, like, give the controller to your kid brother. Is this something you're holding on to? Is I don't have a kid brother. Oh, well. I am the kid brother. <laughs> exactly, wonderful. You're repenting for your sins right Gary. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you guess the uh, punishment, or not the punishment, what is the uh, cure for gluttony hmm. in purgatory? Uh, in, in hell, it was getting rained on. That's a bummer. It's probably, is it like eating Lenten fare, so you gotta eat, like, leeks? Oh, that would be even worse. No, it, I mean, it's, it's fasting. It's oh. straight up fasting. Each shade was dark and hollow in the eye, pale in the face and worn away so thin the flesh assumed the contours of the bones. Though to be fair, they have no flesh. They are shades. Um, their eye holes were like rings without the gem. Those who read OMO, OMO, in the face of man, in theirs would easily have found the M. Their, face, their, their eyes are so sunken, you can see the contrast between the M shape in the middle, cheekbone to forehead to nose to forehead to... Cheekbone. This is a really good. Oh, is that what it is? I thought it would be like O M O would be O eye socket. M would be nose, and then O O would be eye socket. Yeah, Yeah. but they would you would have easily found the the M. The contrast is really significant between the two. Oh wow, dang. Oh my. So they are very starved. There is um, a stream of liquor. I don't think they say what kind it is, but it smells sweet. A fragrant liquor, liqueur. Uh, whatever and the aroma of an apple oh there's apple like, schnapps there's a booze river <laughs> yes exactly oh. right and next they, to them yeah they're, they're not allowed the to have it that's exactly right oh. they're not allowed to have it so they have that in front of them we'll eventually find out this app this um apple tree is from the seed of the original um um uh tree the knowledge oh. of good and evil okay um so that is how it comes to be here 
uh, Dante sees his old drinking buddy. Um, he's impressed that he's already come this far already to the right. He's like, how did you get here? Whoa, the, yeah, seriously? Like, yeah, you well, made it? You made they, it this far? I would have said I prideful, would, but yeah. yeah. You know. and, the, and they have a part where they're, where Dante's like, don't bring up my past right now. Like, <laughs> you, you know some stuff. Like, you know, don't don't bring it up. Um, so that happens. Is it just the booze river or is there food too that they can't apple. have? So there's the booze oh, there's, river and an, mm-hmm. a, there's a an apple tree apples. as well. Okay. Apple and, oh man. Yeah. Got it. What's that kind of booze that's made from apples and... Cider. No, no, no. Well, I mean, there's cider, but there's a, there's a hard liquor. I'm not thinking of it right now. Apple. Anyway, no, no. I'll look it up. You guys keep keep trying. That sounds amazing. Um, apple flavor. Nope. 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 I, I got it, Meg, but you can continue. Okay, no, this is very important. Okay, um, so that's the circle of uh, gluttony. You know, fasting is the obvious reply to that. Uh, there's this Canto, that's Canto 23 is our introduction. Canto 24 is a tour of people who are in the circle of the gluttonous. They talk a lot about Italian politics. This was not interesting. So, sorry, Dante. Brandy. Oh. Brandy's made from fruit. Is it? Oh. From grapes or from apples or from whatever. Hmm. I didn't know it could be made from apples, too. That's interesting. Common fruit spirit. Um, Okay. So, I'm going to skip over the Italian um, political stuff. So, apologies in advance. Uh, Canto 25 is started by Dante asking... I don't know if you all have this question, too. He he notices that, you know, the shades don't have bodies, but they still appear hungry, right? They, they have no need for food, yeah, the but heck? they are wasting away in the circle, um, for the gluttonous. And I will, this is Dr. Esselin. No one's favorite Canto. This not poetic enough. That's his summary of this, this Canto, which he is 100% correct. Uh, oh, what about cause they're just talking about Italian politics. No, Italian politics was the, the one before. One. Yes, oh. that was Canto 24. Canto 25 is an answer to the question of why the spirits look like their bodies would look oh. if they were hungry. and It's just technical and lame. Yes, no. it's not really. Anyway, I, I mean, the answer is that the two are the two match each other. When you are crying, that's your body that is crying tears, but your soul that is sad. There's not a disunity between the two. So, yeah, right. So for, for your body to be hungry is also for your soul to hunger as well those two are tied together hmm. so you're seeing the um you're seeing those two in unity in the purgatory um he talks a lot about how where souls come from um and apparently they used to think that babies came from the mixing of blood so i don't know things are weird <laughs> um i don't know anything about that so moving on to canto 26 it's we pretty get pretty close yeah blood i don't know that's kind of weird but um so the circle of the lustful is our final circle for our time together canto 26 and 27 uh graham you have referenced this a few times before i guess first oh sorry no i messed up already the daughters of yeah daughters of the gluttonous um unseemly joy scurrility uncleanness loquaciousness and dullness of mind as regards the understanding a 15 year old boy (laughs) (laughs) unseemly joy scurrility what is scurrilous what is that give me a good definition i don't know i'm thinking scrofulous which is different scurrility is the quality of being scurrilous which is not the most helpful definition (laughs) is it uh hold on this is probably fascinating listening i just keep thinking squirrely uh oh coarse language using or given to coarse language vulgar and evil so those are your children of gluttony to be on the watch for um the answer to them is um to fast 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 from those things right deny yourself Hmm. those things we move into the circle of the lustful. What is lust? It's the inordinate desire for, for bodies for another person yeah. sexually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, wanton pleasure, 
is a definition from Aquinas. Um, Does it have to be people or is it, um, so is, it in, is it always, is it a sexual desire? I guess anything else would be, would be avarice is, or gluttony. A lustful man is one who is debauched with pleasures. Now, venereal pleasures, sexual pleasures, above all, debauch a man's mind. Therefore, lust is especially concerned with such like pleasures. It's not only, but primarily with hmm. body pleasures. So again, looking at these things that are like good, but just need to be refined. Um, um, material goods for avarice are good. You I've just, just always wondered where like inordinate drug use goes in. Interesting. In in the uh, like is is you know the desire to I don't know be on LSD right a lust because it's an inordinate ex, an bodily I feel pleasure. like that would be gluttony, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure because it's the desire for that experience because that again. Avarice will have to do with material goods. Gluttony is to do with food and drink, which are yeah. good things in and of themselves. And then lust is bodies, which are good yeah, things. The no, desire right. of a body is a good thing, but inordinate desire is is um, is wrong. Mm-hmm. So that is lust. So what did I just say? Uh, a lustful man is one who is debauched with pleasures and primarily veneer, um, sexual pleasures. Venereal is a weird word. I'm not, anyway, sorry. Um, that is primarily what it's related to. What is the punishment for those who are in the circle of the lustful? To be to burn without being consumed. Yeah. Um, you knew the answer. For I knew that. that that's one. the one that yeah, you. Yeah, anyway, that one, because that's that's in Elliot's um, wasteland. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that is a part of it. I will say there's another part that surprised me. Um, I'll just read again. All I want to do is read Dante. From the middle where the passage burned uh, came people facing opposite to these. So there are two lines of people. They're both looking at each other. I hung my gaze upon them looking on, and from each side I saw the shades make haste to greet the others with a kiss. Each one contented with the brief festivities yeah, yeah. whoa 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 look, look circle of the lust let's just <laughs> but like, that's but, but love it, is good yes but, but don't you go but yeah. no tongue yeah just don't no don't greet each other with a kiss like too eagerly yeah <laughs> yeah but that's um lips uh, closed uh no eye contact but you know there are commands first peter five fourteen is greet one another with a kiss of love no, so like I'm that's just saying somehow is accomplished here right they are so, well, I guess they did leave a flowing river of booze around the other one. <laughs> so, the, the circle of gluttony. But that's again, I, I just find that interesting. It's both the um, uh, their desires are burned away, right? That's um, they're passing through that fire. That that love is, um, I think, burned away is the right term for it. There are like excesses of love that need to simply be spent. Or find out, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but there is still a love that exists after that. They are still happy to see each other. They are still greeting. Mm. They are still capable of here kissing a greet you know european greeting uh a greeting they're still capable of that without mm-hmm. lust and so yeah. that's part of the consequence is to learn that um through practice over time um dante tries talking to them the shades have no idea why he's there uh, he meets a predecessor of his <laughs> so they're like why are you here literally no, no girl likes you um and as a mountain man stands overawed and stares in speechless wonder all about when rough and rude, he comes to the big town. So were the shades in their appearance now. So, you know, he's insulting them, but, uh, yes, they have no idea why he's here. They, you know, he's shouting to them asking, what have you done to be burned? And they, uh, don't respond to him. They don't know what's going on. Dante meets a, a um, a love poet. I don't know. I don't know. He is like a predecessor of Dante's. Dante has his fanboy moment. So Statius was happy to see Virgil. Dante is happy to see um, Guinazelli. Guinazelli. I don't know how to say that. Again, I all I do is butcher the Italian language. Okay. Uh, this guy will say of his poetry that it's not that good and that it won't be remembered to time. And he is okay with that. He doesn't care anymore. Okay. He's right. We don't even know how to pronounce his name. 
Yes, exactly right. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay, so this will be our last canto together, and hopefully, and sorry, I'm rushing. It's anyway. So we will. This is canto twenty-seven. Will be the last one that we wrap up with. So this is the top of the circle of the lustful. Um, so through most of these, Dante has not had to do anything. He's like watched the other people as they have rocks on their back, but Dante didn't get a rock on his back. Dante didn't have his eyes sewn shut. He was like in the mist, but like he walked right through it. It wasn't really a big deal. In Canto 27, he has to face this fire before he's able to um, approach the top of Purgatory, which Uh we'll cover next time. Buddy. So this is his first time having to deal with one of the um, consequences. So he, he walks up to this wall of fire and... If you are going to write a poem about yourself and you need to ascribe some kind of sin that you did, you've done, you may want to like pick the sexy one and be like, I loved too much. I loved the ladies and they loved me. (laughs) Sounds poetical. (laughs) Honestly though. So they walk up to this wall of fire and Statius and Virgil are not concerned. They wrote like noble epic poetry. There's Mm -hmm. no like, they don't have like love poetry in their background. So they're not worried to walk through the fire because they won't have much that needs to be brought Oh, Stadius is walking around, is coming with yes, him? Yes, he's, he's walked the entire way I mean, with him. he's yeah. with Virgil as his buddy. Yes, exactly. I mean, he's kind of the VIP hey, card so or whatever. can I like, um, come on? But they come to this wall of fire and Dante is terrified to walk through it. Um, well, duh. Yes. And so Virgil tries to coax him to walk through this wall of fire. Uh, my son, there may indeed be torment here, but but death can never be. Remember, just remember, when we rode on Gurion's back, back in the Inferno, I led you safely down. What will I do now that we're nearer God? Stand in this fire's belly a thousand years. You must believe it for a certainty. You wouldn't be balder by a single hair. So he gives, look, the, the, the reality of purgatory is you cannot die here. Um, there can be pain, but there's no death um, here. Is this a convincing argument? I, I think mean, so. Pain still sucks. <laughs> yes. Get in here. It hurts, but you'll be fine. This is funny. Um, Dante is not moved by this argument. Virgil gives the rational argument. Dante, mm. the nature of purgatory is that you cannot die. The fact is you can walk through this fire and be fine. And it's not enough for Dante. He is not, he still stands there terrified. Um, uh, yet I stood firm against my conscience. Again, his conscience tells him, believe what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he Virgil saw me stiffened and immovable, he said a little troubled <laughs> that he had to move to this son. Look now, what's keeping you from Beatrice is this wall. And then that immediately was what prompts Dante to actually go through the fire. It's not the facts, rational argument, It's not the rational argument. It's not just the facts of the situation. It's his love for Beatrice. That is oh. enough to pull him through that wall of fire to face the, um, the, I would say danger, but to face the pain really is what um, he's on the hook for. He walks through it. It hurts a lot, but he makes it um, and he hears a singing voice. So the shades are not currently in the fire. They're Virgil and Statius follow with him. Uh, no, no, no. I mean like the shades the that are smooching. Yes, but they ha- they kind of, they, um, it's like a narrow path. There's like fire on one side and like falling off the mountain on the other. So they're forced to walk through fire up to this final wall of fire. Is that th- there's lots of burning going on in the circle of the lustful, but mm-hmm. like the lust, do they, do they, are they burning as part of their punishment? Yes. 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 Okay. While they're, while they're in the circle. And then that, that final level is like a wall that they have to, to cross. And through. they have to listen to like good love stories, right? Uh, yes. They reference those elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, yeah, many apologies. Um, so they cross through that. Um, Dante, of course, will take a nap at this point. He has a vision of Leah. Um, uh, Leah from the story of Rachel and Leah. Huh. Uh, yeah. Why is, why is, why do you have a huh there? Well, she's the, she's the one that was loved. 
Or the no. one that wasn't loved. The one that wasn't loved. Yeah. Which makes this a surprising even, image. Why is it even a vision of the one who wasn't loved? So. It's weird. And even, so Leah's supposed to. Seven like, years, had to work seven years, and then you got her, and he was. And but he wasn't happy about he it. He wasn't happy That's about a, it. Jacob. Um, uh, Jacob wanted, Jacob loved Rachel, uh, but uh, Laban tricks Jacob into working to marry Leah, not Rachel. Well, eventually both, but first Leah. Is it, is it because she, she loved chastely and virtuously? Right, she loved without any sort of lust in there in the mix. Let me so uh, the image. So you might also uh, another thing to remember is she's like not the pretty one. Rachel's the pretty one, but in this it's described. Let anyone. This is Leah speaking. Let anyone who may demand my name know I am Leah, and I go to make myself a garland by my lovely hands. Here I adorn myself for the delight I will enjoy when looking in my glass, like a mirror. My sister Rachel never leaves that sight, but gazes in her glass that whole day through. She goes on from there. Um, I'll read from the. I love notes. you, Leah. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So part of it is that being in purgatory, Leah has been purged of her um, problems on Earth. I guess I'll read this again. This is a note from Doctor Esselin. Medieval exegetes saw in Rachel and Leah an allegory of the contemplative and active life, inferring mm. from the weakness of Leah's eyes a keenness of vision in Rachel, and inferring from Leah's relative fecundity, she has lots of babies, a, propens- a propensity for the practical virtues. After the purging of sin, then, Dante has a vision of the return of virtue, and that takes the form of a beautiful lady culling flowers from a meadow. The dream is prophetic, for we'll meet a holy lady in a second. Um, but even Leah now is lovable and loved in a way that she couldn't be on earth. She's been purged of whatever um, was insufficient, um, not enough in her on earth. She now no longer has that. She now is beautiful. She now is... Um, Psyche. Yes, right. Um, so we then get to the very end. So Dante has crossed through all of the circles of purgatory. you you may remember at the beginning that he had seven marks put upon his head to represent the seven sins that he would purge. He has the final one removed from him. Oh, steam achievement. He gets the steam achievement. <laughs> You've completed purgatory. Um, and, uh, Virgil. So they're about to walk. Um, and Virgil, like, you know, stops him, um, before they take the, the steps up to the earthly paradise, which is the next circle. And I'll just read this as we're at an hour right now. So this is probably the right place to wrap it up. The temporal and eternal fires, my son, you have now seen, and you have reached a part where I discern no further on my own. I've led you here by strength of mind and art. Take your own pleasure for your leader now. You've left the steep and narrow ways behind. Behold the sun that gleams upon your brow. Behold the grass, the flowers, and the young trees, which this land of its own brings forth to grow. While we await the glad and lovely eyes whose weeping made me come to you, Beatrice, you may sit here or walk among them as you please. No longer wait for what I do or say. Your judgment now is free and whole and true. To fail to follow its will would be to stray. Lord of yourself, I crown and miter you. Hmm. So having purged himself of these sins, Dante is now ready to make his own decisions. He doesn't need Virgil anymore. Correct. Hmm. Um, and even to say... Oh, Dad! Yeah, right. So no um, more sin makes a perfect intellect? Yes. I um, Again, I wish we had more time for it. I see this as the response to the existentialist um, claims. There is a freedom at the end of what Dante is describing here, but it's hmm. having that freedom from sin makes one perfected in um, thinking, feeling, all of those things. Interesting. He's been restored to image of God such that he can trust himself in a way that he wasn't able mm. to seven levels of purgatory ago. Interesting. Hmm. Um, so that's Virgil's final charge to him. Um, and he is crowned and mitered. So he is both king and bishop now, right? He is um, 
both in control um, and capable of fulfilling those commands. Yeah. So that's where we leave things off. We will move into Canto 28 and we have, what is that? Five more 28 through 33. So cool. yeah, good stuff. More left. So yeah, there cool. you go. Those are cool. Yeah. Sorry for rushing at the end, but just trying to oh, no get all that in. This has been classical stuff. You can hit our website at classicalstuff.net. You can email us the guys at classicalstuff.net. You can check us out on twits at at C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff. And we do have a Patreon if you are interested in supporting the podcast. If you're not, then <laughs> we're still going to do this for free. But uh, if you do pay us, we we have extra goodies at the website. At the $5 level, we got some extra talks and things you can connect it with. And then if we ever have ads, you will still get all the episodes ad-free. You get some years off purgatory too, right? A couple years <laughs> yeah, off purgatory, we'll, we'll for sure. Your soul. Yeah, and then exactly. at the $10 level, you hear all a good chunk of our in-between episode banter. That's some of my favorite stuff. And especially if you're interested in finance, we talk a lot about finance. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm so sorry, listeners. There's also AMA stuff there. And at 20 bucks, you can help to dictate the direction of the podcast. So there you go. If you want to help us out, you can. And I think that does it for the episode. I think cool. so. You guys happy? Yes. Yep. I'm happy. All right. Thanks. This has been Classical Stuff. And we'll see you next time. Bye.